Welcome to the Relentless DC Podcast. We are a life-giving multicultural church in the DC metro area. To find out more, visit us at relentlessdc.com. We hope you enjoy this new episode. And so I'm pumped. Are you guys pumped? You know, you're not as pumped as I am, amen? You're not, you're not as pumped as I am, but I'm super pumped. And I'm going to keep talking randomly because I don't know where my notes are. So if you just keep talking, then you guys just keep listening and then we'll be okay. All right. Um, so while I was uh, in Las Vegas, just a quick uh, recap. God did amazing things. Um, actually, the Wednesday night that we spoke, it was the largest night. God just showed up and showed off so many healings, so many deliverances. Uh, you know, I've been on this kick where, you know, Ashley's been preaching about deliverance for, you know, years. And finally, the Lord said, Malik, I'm releasing you to fully preach the message of deliverance. And so uh, I began to preach it in uh, Las Vegas. I preached about the witchcraft, spirit of Jezebel, the spirit of Jehu. It was wild. Amen. But it brought so much freedom to the church. Not just to the people in the conference, but even Pastor Paul and the, many of the leaders, there was so much that was happening that God really used Ashley and myself to really bring some healing and some freedom. And so I just want to say that God is doing amazing things in the earth, guys. And I want to give a big shout out to Pastor Tim and Pastor Michelle. Can we give them a big hand clap for holding it down? Amen. Go ahead and just lift up your hands if some new people don't know who you are. We love you. And they held it down while we were gone preaching the gospel. And we just appreciate that. Heard you had some amazing times in the Lord. So, so again, I'm excited. And I know the time is getting late. So I'm going to give you guys just a, a quick message that I felt like the Lord put in my heart. And, uh, and then we can go home, all right? And so the word that I felt like the Lord gave me, he actually gave it to me a couple days ago while I was uh, pondering this. And some of you might even saw a post a little bit about it is this word, nevertheless. Somebody say, nevertheless. Come on. Nevertheless. And then in subtitles, what did God say? Okay. Nevertheless, what did God say? So let's look at the scripture, Luke chapter 5, if you have it over there in the back, uh, chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says, so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. And, so, and, uh, and uh, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, who we know as Peter, and asked him to pull out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said, and this is some of us, how we talk to God. Master, we have toiled all night and have caught nothing. But then I love the tenacity of Simon. This is before, you know, he really even knew who Jesus was and saw all the miracles, signs, and wonders. He had this crazy faith and revelation of who Jesus was. And he said these words, nevertheless. Let's say that together, nevertheless. Come on, say it again, nevertheless. He said, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And we know what happened. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to the partners and the other boats to come and help them. And they came, and they filled both the boats, so they both began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from uh, me, for I'm a sinful man. Isn't it amazing that when God performs a miracle that you need, that he's not uh, running to Jesus and saying, thank Thank you, God, for all these fish. Thank you. My business is so blessed. Thank you for all these amazing things. He falls at his feet and he begins to repent. For he said, 
All who were with them were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And also were James and John, the son of Zebedee, who were the partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they brought their boats to the land, and they forsook all and followed him. Amen. Somebody say, nevertheless. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. I pray that you help me communicate it the way that you want me to. Father, I thank you that your, your eyes are on us. So I believe that this word is going to be the eyes of Jesus looking into our hearts, showing us what is there, but also causing us to see through your eyes so that we can see what you have for us. So we thank you for this holy and special time in Jesus' mighty name. Let's just say amen one more time. Amen. And can we give the worship team a big hand clap? Jonathan and my sister was up there. I mean, I was killing it. I love it. I'm so amazed at how much glory comes with three people, you know. And, you know, we were just in a conference with bands and trumpets and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just amazed at how God moves in simplicity. Amen. And it speaks also well of Jonathan and his leadership as well. So, um, so I believe, this is what the Lord spoke to me, said, I believe that we are in a nevertheless season. And that, what that means is that the disciples were toiling all night, and they caught nothing. Uh, they were trying to get something, but they got nothing to no avail. And they were exhausted, and they were tired. And let me ask you a question. Have you ever been exhausted and tired? Have you ever been praying and believing, fasting, and holding on to the word of the Lord, but it seems like you're catching nothing? I'm not talking to anybody in here. We have all we need in Jesus, I understand. But there are times in our life, and I've, I've sensed this in my own life, I've, I've had these moments in my own life where I've gone after God as much as I can, but it seems like nothing was working. I tried to do it in my own strength. I tried to work at it in my own strength. Come on, have you ever tried to work at a relationship and it just doesn't work? Come on, have you ever tried to work at some things and it's just like everything you do, you just either get betrayed, you get backstabbed, you get whatever, or maybe you sold and you sold and you sold, but you didn't see that level of return on what you were sowing. You gave and you gave. You were tired and you were exhausted. And I believe that many in the church, as I go around and I'm listening, and God has just really been doing amazing do- things of the doors I'm open, uh, many of the Christians can put on a happy face, but many of us are tired. Because we know that there's greater. Amen, somebody? There is greater that God has for us. There's greater that God has available to us. The promises of God in him are yes and in him are what? Amen. But the believers are tired. And I know y'all heard that wonderful message because not only are we tired, but then we got Penina, the spirit of Penina that's coming, that's accusing us, that's putting us down. And we're saying, God, how long will I go barren? So this is just a part two, if you don't mind. Of what God is already doing in the house. Come on, Spirit of God, help us. So to toil means to work hard and become weary. We make bad decisions when we're weary. We make bad choices when we're tired. We say things we don't mean when we're tired. My wife always gets on me because after 10, something happens. I don't hear people the same way that I heard them before 10 o'clock, 10 p.m. that is. Oh, you could talk to me at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., but once it gets to 10, something begins to shift. The weariness of the day causes my voice to change, my tone of voice to go a different way. My eyebrows raise up and flare, and I just don't want to be bothered. 
I know Amari for you is 9 p.m. Amen. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting there. And so what I realize is that when we're weary, when we're tired, when we're burdened down with life, sometimes we make the wrong decisions, we say the wrong things, and God wants to deal with those places. Amen. Because we should never blame anything on our tiredness because we're believers and we can tap into the spirit. And the Bible says the flesh is what? Weak, but the spirit is willing. So we can become weary like this in our businesses. God gave you an idea. God told you to do something. And you're plowing in it. You're going in it. But nobody's coming. Maybe some of you are doing live streams. No one's watching. Maybe you're making posts that God told you to post. No one's, no one's liking. Maybe God told you I was going to open these doors, but no doors are opening. It seems like more doors are closing than opening. And so this is what we deal with on a constant basis. And when those things happen, we become weary. We become tired. We become introspective. Sometimes we look at ourselves. Sometimes we look at ourselves with the wrong lens. We look down on ourselves. We think that we're something wrong with us. We look down at other people and saying, if it wasn't for them, I would be where I need to be at. We blame people. All type of things happen in this place called weariness. Am I talking to anybody here? It's going to get better, I promise. So we can be weary with our family and with one another and relationships. And, and we've all been in a season or are in a season where we are toiling, but we are catching nothing. But the Bible says that these disciples, were, they were found in that place. And that's what I love about Jesus, that he comes to that place. He finds you in that place. Isn't that wonderful? That Jesus will always meet you at the place of your pain. That Jesus will always come to you at the place of your suffering. He will always meet you at the place where you feel like you don't have any more to give, and then he gives you himself. Amen. I am the bread. Glory to God. Eat of me. Glory to God. I'm the living water. Drink of me. He is the substance that we need. And sometimes, come on, somebody, when you're weary, you forget that. And so one thing I also realize is that when we're weary, we begin to uh, take on temporary things to fill our need versus going and tapping into the eternal source. We start to tap into our pleasure versus his promise. We start to tap into the flesh. Come on, somebody. I'm not talking to I'm just talking to this side probably. I don't know about this side over here. But we start to, to, to dabble in things and try to work things out, amen, because we don't fully trust God. What does the Bible say? The Bible says this, lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge God, and he will what? Direct your path. And so many times if you're looking for direction, don't make that decision if you're weary. Let God speak to your heart and let him course correct or do whatever he needs to do. The disciples were tolling and they were tired. They were exhausted. But Jesus found them. Said the two boats standing by the lake, the very thing that God wanted to use was the very thing that they had forsaken. Some of you have gifts. Some of you have talents. And because of exhaustion, because of weariness, because of complaints, because of whatever, because of witchcraft, come on, prophetic manipulation, whatever the case is, you've forsaken your boat. But again, here comes Jesus all cool and calm and collective. And he says, the very vehicle that got you nothing, I will use it to gather the harvest. And so somebody say, he is a miracle worker. And so I love this, and I'm just going to talk about this a little bit, and I'm going to give you some keys, but the, the kind of the word that I got is that sometimes we get excited about the new thing. 
I, I, I am an apostolic person, prophetic. I love new stuff, like new shoes, new clothes. Come on, somebody. Come on. I like new, I like new endeavors, but I might not like sticking with it so long. That's why I have too many shoes and I have to get rid of some. Because we love the new thing, it brings excitement and happiness, but what if God told you to do it again and to do it his way? What if he told you, I'm not doing a new thing, I'm doing the same thing in my way? Are you hearing me? What if he said to trust him again in that place of pain? What if he said to believe him again in that place of disappointment? Listen, I'm telling you, in marriage, you got to live this out in full, uh, full steam ahead. And so what if God told you to do the business again, to press into that friendship again, to sow a seed again, to love again, to forgive again? What would be our response? And I believe that whenever heaven is speaking, it's looking for a response. Heaven was speaking over us today. Heaven was saying there is a conviction. There are eyes that are looking in heaven. It's looking for a response. Search me, oh God. And if there be any wicked way in me, cleanse me from that place. Come on, somebody. Because God, listen, I say this all the time, but I got to say it again. God knows where you're going. But he's concerned about who you're going to be when you get there. God, your destiny is sure in God. But he's concerned about you. I don't want to get to my destination place and be full of bitterness. And I've seen it. I've seen leaders in big platforms, big businesses, etc., and broken and hurt, frustrated. I don't want to be like that. I want to meet him in the secret place. I want him to do whatever he needs to do to crucify my flesh. I want to die daily. I want to experience him and encounter him. This has to be our heart posture. So, nevertheless, Peter said, means in spite of. That means in spite of my feelings, in spite of my exhaustion, in spite of my lack. Come on, in spite of my fear. God is saying, will you step out a little bit more? Will you press into my heart a little bit more? Will you believe me for what I spoke to you again? And I believe that God is calling us in this season to a radical obedience. You know, when God spoke to me and told me, you know, that, you know, he encountered my heart and said, there's a deliverance anointing and, and to do this. I was like, God, I don't know about this. This is my wife. She preaches about that. Now people are going to think I went off the deep end and all I talk about is witchcraft. And I don't want to do that because I don't want to be looked at a certain way. But I want his will, not my will. Amen. And because of obedience, glory to God, we are starting to already see fruit. And it's only been a month. And we've seen the fruit of what God wants to do. We saw at the campground where we always talk about the glory, and I preach about faith, we saw at least hundreds of people getting touched and delivered, mass deliverance. If you guys, well, who was there at the campground? I mean, it was mass. It wasn't just like laying my hands on somebody and boom, they're, they're getting delivered. It was like in the, in the realm of the spirit as Bradley was making renunciation like he does here at Deliverance uh, 101, Freedom Track. God just began to break out because God will meet you at the place of your pain. How many know I need deliverance? I need a deliverance. Glory to God. But the very thing that I needed that I received now he told me I want you to go give it y'all ain't hear me in this Presbyterian church but we're gonna keep going I don't know maybe y'all Methodist today I don't know what's going on we love you Methodist people <laughs> let me not get in trouble this is online if you're a Methodist we love you 
Jonathan Edwards, I think, was one of the founders of the, you know, boom, 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 bam, 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 take it, take it, Holy Spirit, go. <laughs> so God, this just could be a prophetic word. I wrote this a few days ago, could be calling you to do the same thing again, but to do it his way. That means to trust in his power. That means to trust in his timing, and that's to trust in his way. Amen? So, so here we are, and, and I, I believe that we're at this place of a nevertheless season. And let me just give you, uh, let's see, let's, let me try to narrow this down. Let's give you five different things that we can do in a nevertheless season. Write this down because this is super important for you and I believe for your furtherance. Amen? And it's going to be super simple, but it's going to be super good. I love that first scripture where it says, So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. I believe in a nevertheless season, one of the things that we can do is press into the word. Not press into opinions. Not press into your feelings. Not press into your wants and your desires. God can speak through those things, but number one, primarily, he wants to speak through his word. So press into what does the word say? Give me a scripture. I tell people, don't just give me a prophetic word. I love prophetic. Give me a scripture. What does the Bible say? And I'm telling you, my wife hit it on the knot. I have it right here in my notes, Hebrew, Hebrews 4, verse 12. The word of the Lord. I mean, it's right here. I was like, when she said this, I said, man, this is the word. This is what I was going to preach. The word is quick and it's powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword. And it rightly divides the soul and the spirit. And so if you're having a hard time discerning if it's you, if it's God, get in the word. Begin to study the word out. Begin to look at examples and scriptures that feed that place. Glory to God. Press into the word. Another part of pressing to the word is faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. And so we see what happened when they went out in the boat. What did Jesus do? Before he told them to launch out into the deep, before he told them to go do this and do that, what did he say to them? He said, let me preach. Why? I believe that, that Jesus was using a tactic. I believe that he was preaching this word, and this word was creating what in their hearts? Faith. Many times if, you, if, you, if you're in my house, you'll hear me not just listen to worship all day. I'll be listening to preaching all day. I'll just be having the word of the Lord coming every day, listening to different preachers, listening to the Bible on, on the Bible app, just letting the word get in me, letting the word get in my boat. Come on, somebody. Some of us need to let the word of the Lord get in our boat. We need to let the word of the Lord get into our, into our situation. We need the word of the Lord to saturate us. Come on, somebody. I love it. You know, one thing that will sink a boat is the water, but they didn't know they invited the living water into their boat. Glory to God. And I want to tell you, you need to get water into this boat. Amen. You need to get the water, the washing, the cleansing of the word into your boat because the word will wash away the pain. The word will wash away the things that don't belong. The word will convict. The word will be sure. So press into the word in this season. Seriously, don't just say yes and amen to me, but do it. Make a plan to read. Make a plan to study. Make a plan to be devoted. Glory to God. This is important. This is the life, this basic Christianity. But many times we let everything pull us away from the word. We let what other people say pull us from the word. We let what other friends say pull us away from the word. But what does the word say? One of the greatest things you can do as a leader, especially if you're discipling anybody, is say, what does the word say? I have this idea. I really want to do this. I think this is amazing. I think this is great. And I'm going to say, well, what does the word say? What is God speaking to you? 
because that's the most important thing. Somebody say, I'm awake. I'm alive. Give me a couple more minutes, guys. Number two, the little moves matter. Somebody say the little moves. I love this this scripture because he says, then he got into the boat, which was Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the land. So I love the gentleness of God that he's not forcing you to do something that's beyond. He's not forcing you and, 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 and using tactics to, to cause you to, to do what he wants. But it's the little moves. And what I say, we look for the big, but God many times is moving in the small. And so God wants us to be aware of the little things that he does. Even the little dreams we have. Sometimes we have little dreams that say, oh, man, uh, or the little impressions we have, and we just knock it off. But how many know God is moving in the little? God is moving. He took the little fishes and the loaves, and he did what? Multiplied it and fed the multitude. So it's not many times we're looking for the big shifts. Come on, somebody. We're looking. I was in the back today crying, God, please send revival. Sin, please send a move of God. We need a move of God here. We need, we need God to blow up this place. Amen. We need D.C. to be on fire for you, Springfield to be on fire for you. And he said, well, preach my word. Small step. Somebody say small steps. Small steps will get you somewhere. There's no way you could take little steps and not find yourself far down the road. You just got to keep stepping. Somebody say, keep stepping. Keep the stepping. Remember that? Anyway. <laughs> Let me keep moving on. Number three. I love this. What is the word of the Lord? Super important in the nevertheless, nevertheless season. So here comes Jesus. He's preaching the word. And then he gives them a, a word. He gives them a command, and he says, you know, launch out into the deep and cast down your nets. So now, now you've got the word of the Lord because many people want a word from the Lord, but they don't know how to get it in the word of God, right? They want a word from God, but don't know how to get in the word of God. So now that we're dealing with getting in the word of God, now we have to learn how to hear so that we can get a word from God. And... What is the word of the Lord? And I love this. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1 says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower. So here's Habakkuk saying, and if you ever heard me preach about the lifting, that to hear God, you got to go up a little bit higher. If we want to really know what God is saying, we got to come out of some places and come up a little bit higher. But look at this. And he says, and I will look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. This is so important. God is not against your complaints. We all have levels of complaint. We all can see where there are things that God spoke to us and we're not where he wants us to be. We can see that things in our operation and our family members, salvation that we desire, et cetera, et cetera. But you can't stay in the place of complaint and receive from the Lord. You got to come up a little bit higher. Come on, somebody. Stand on your watchtower. Glory to God. Stand in the place of intercession and prayer in the word devoted yourself to him. And that is the place. Come on. Glory to God that he begins to speak to you and he gives you vision. He said, I will watch to see what the Lord says. I believe that the seer realm is going to be open to us in this season that God's going to show you the way out. God's going to show you the way in that God's going to show you what's going on. God's going to show you his hand. So press into the word. The little moves matter. What is the word of the Lord? Number four, obey no matter the pain. I'm not trying to shout y'all down today. 
because I'm really trying to take care of my voice. But Jesus, Jesus learned obedience. Jesus learned. Jesus learned. So why wouldn't we? Jesus learned obedience through the things that he what? Suffered. So through his suffering, he learned obedience. Many times by going God's way instead of our way, something begins to happen. We begin to learn from the Lord. The fear of the Lord, my wife says it the best, he's God and I'm not. How many know that? That's the fear of the Lord. He is God. He is Lord and we are not. So I believe in this nevertheless season that we need to obey no matter the pain. No matter the exhaustion, God, Jesus, and it's good to tell him too, Jesus, listen. It's not that he didn't say to God what he desired, but he said, God, we have, hello, Father, hey, we've been out here working. We stink. We're tired. We've already washed these nets. Now we got to go wash them again? We got to do it again? Jesus, we got to love again? We got to forgive them again? I heard what you preached, though, before, Jesus. I heard the word that you were preaching when you were in my boat, when I let you in. So you know what? Nevertheless. I know a preacher be like, nevertheless. But I don't believe he was like, nevertheless. <laughs> I believe. Nothing wrong with that. But how many know none of us are probably doing it like that? We're like, you know what? You're God. I'm not. This hurts. I don't understand it. I'm not going to try to understand it. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and all understanding. So I'd rather fear you and not understand than go my own way and end up in a mess. Are you hearing me? Nevertheless. Somebody say nevertheless. It's a nevertheless season that we obey no matter the pain. And then I love this one. In a nevertheless season, you got to launch out into the deep. You know, I had a vision one time. And in the vision, I was, it was many years ago, I was sitting at a table. And I remember going to this table, uh, and, and there was, uh, it was reserved seating. It's a round table. It's laid out. It was reserved seating. And as I was there, I was like, okay, what do I need to do with this? And, and, and I said, okay, God, I don't know what to do with this, but uh, I'm in the vision. I'm just looking at the table. And then I feel this pulling, this pulling into this place of danger, this pulling into this place of uncomfortability, this pulling into a place that I know I, don't, I do not want to go. But as I let the Lord lead me in the vision, I just say in my heart, God, I'm going to go. I, I come to this big, and there's this big castle. But before I can get to the castle, there's this drawbridge, and there's, there's this, uh, all this stuff. And I'm thinking about the table that's already over there. That nice table has already got food on it. Everything is reserved for me. I can just sit there. Everything, is, everything I need is at this table. But at the same time, I'm feeling like God is pulling me into this place of adventure, this place of danger, this place of uncomfortability. And I heard the Spirit of the Lord say to me in that place get rid of your reservations get rid of your reservation that's what it means to launch out into the deep 
I'm going to launch out into the deep in my relationships. I'm going to launch out into the deep in ministry. I'm going to launch out into the deep with the people that I'm discipling and the people that I'm fathering. I'm going to launch out into the deep with my wife. I'm not going to have any reservation. There's nothing that I want to go to. I just want to launch out where you want me, God. And I believe that this is the heart of God because uh, uh, I remember also I was um, in Germany. We were living in Germany, and I remember I was... uh, I was, uh, I said, you know, God, I, I did this, you know, I'm out here in Germany, and maybe I did something wrong. Maybe I should, we shouldn't have had a kid so quick. Maybe we got married so quick. Can I be honest with you? There was a lot of things that were going to my head, and the Lord spoke the same thing to me. He said, get rid of your reservations and launch out deep into the ministry that I brought you here. And when I did that, God began to explode. That's all I can explain. God began to do amazing. Now, there was some warfare, and God brought us back, praise the Lord. But I'm just saying that in these places of pain, God wants to speak to you, and he wants you to launch out into the deep. Somebody say, I'm getting rid of plan B. Amen. So after I give you that, let me just give you five things that will happen as a result, I believe, of you launching out and having this nevertheless attitude. You ready for that? So as we saw in the previous one, press into the word. The little moves matter. What is the word of the Lord? Obey no matter the pain and launch out into the deep. And here are the next things that you're going to see God do in your life. I believe that five things that will happen. Number one, God will perform miracles. Amen. Oh, y'all, y'all are not happy about that. God will pour. I said, God. Come on, God will perform miracles. Glory to God. God will do beyond what you could have even done yourself. God will go beyond your expectation. God will go beyond your thinking. He will blow your mind. My wife and I were riding around uh, the other day, and God said, I'm about to blow your mind. Somebody say, God, blow my mind and give me yours. Amen. Glory to God. Blow my mind with your miracles. There is never a time where I trusted God. Amen. And I did it his way, where he did not perform a miracle in my life from the smallest things to the greatest things God has always been faithful somebody say faithful God whoo glory to God you can't catch fish on the shore you can't win this world by playing it safe there are more risk takers in the world than in the church Hello? I've seen so many testimonies of people quitting college, doing this, whatever, because they had a dream. They had a vision. We got more risk takers in the world than we have in the church. And I'm just trying to ask somebody, will you launch out into the deep? Will you stop trying to catch fish on the shore and go out a little bit deeper where the harvest is? Glory to God. So God will perform miracles. Write that down in your Bible somewhere. Mark this day. God will perform miracles. (laughs) Amen. I feel glad. I'm happy about that because I got some things that I've been trying to do in my own strength. And I'm just like, you know what, God? I'm going to do it your way. And he already told me, launch out into the deep then. Let's get crazy. (laughs) Let's just go to another level. Amen. (laughs) They used to call me Crazy Joe, but now they can call me Batman. Remember that? Miriam, <laughs> lean on me. <laughs> he went in that church trying to, and he had to do it another way. Somebody say what he was trying to do where he had to become Batman. Amen. Walk around with a bat, yoke people up. Come on, somebody. Don't act like y'all never seen lean on me. 
Somebody need to go out and buy a bat. Just to, I'm, <laughs> I, I watch next week. We're gonna be waving bats in the atmosphere, like yeah, creating me a new heart, Lord. And I'm gonna beat the devil. Amen. <laughs> yeah, felt that. Whew. Come on, it's an impartation here. Glory. Praise God. God will perform miracles. Number two, God is going to overwhelm you with his goodness. Overwhelm you. You know, I realize that, you know, not only has God performed miracles in our life, but he's overwhelmed us with his goodness. You know, because I, you know, I, I'll be honest, as a young preacher, I used to, I used to envy the stage. Man, if they would just put me up there, we can move in something. Man, if I just had my opportunity, woo-wee, it would be amazing. I remember the second time I led worship, the first time was glorious. I think it was just God's grace. But the second time, I felt like it was horrible. People were just looking at me like y'all looking at me right now. <laughs> There's nothing worse. Come on, worship leaders. Then you at the keyboard or leading worship and people just standing right there looking at you. I mean, it's just like, and maybe everybody else is worshiping, but you just feel like that one person. You feel because that one person is just looking at, and it's weird. They're just looking at you. Like, look at Jesus. Don't you hear what I'm singing? Just worship God. Like, I have no idea why you are looking at me right now. I'm trying, I can't even close my eyes. I got to open my eyes and I see you. I want to see Jesus. Have no idea why I was saying that, but it was funny. <laughs> but I realized in that moment that I had put a lot of pressure on myself to do something and to be something. And it took years of submitting my will to his will, letting dying daily. And I remember running off the platform. Uh, you're supposed to sing a song after the offering. I never showed up for that song. I don't know who sang it. And the next day I'm sitting at the table and my pastor's sitting at the table with me. And she's like, oh, I'm at sitting at another table because I already know what's about to go down. Say, oh, Brother Malik, come over here real quick. I'm like, oh, my God. So she calls me to the table, sits me down at the table. She taps my hand all nice and soft. You got to know Pastor Jane. She's just the softest. She could be a, a warrior, whatever. But, man, this when she's soft, that's the worst. So she looks at me and says, hey, what happened last night? You, you, you left. You, you weren't here. And I was like, yeah, I did a horrible job. So I just was like, ah, it's going to go back to my room and take it down. <laughs> and uh, I was really hood then. I mean, I've been, God's done a work. But I was like, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and so she taps my hand really nice and soft and said, oh, when did worship ever become about you? <laughs> ah, man, woo. Talk about when is worship? Ah. Worship is obedience. It's not a song. When has obedience become about you? When has your life become about you? We're called to lay down our lives and take up his cross and follow him. Okay. I'm trying to make this happy. God is going to overwhelm you. That's my point. 
with his goodness. And that's what he's done over these years. I, I mean, from that place, I never played the keyboard. He showed me in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, an encounter with him. I played the keyboard for the first time. I've been playing for years. I, know, I've, I had lessons when I was young, but I smoked too much weed to remember all that. For all of my non-smokers, don't smoke. It kills. Drugs kills. The, the, the commercial was correct. The egg. Remember the egg? Totally correct. Not false at all. I'll still be asking God to bring parts of my brain back. Amen. All right, keep going. God is good. So God is going to overwhelm us as we get into that place of nevertheless, take a hold of his word, take a hold of what he's doing in our life. As we get into that place, God will begin to overwhelm you with his goodness. Amen. Remember I said his goodness. See, because we have a picture of what good would look like for us. We have a picture of what good would look like for our family, what good would look like for our ministry, what good would look like for our business. And can I tell you, God wants to go beyond that. Amen. He wants to, he said, I do it abundantly above all that you can what? Act or think. Amen. Exceedingly. Somebody say exceedingly. That means he's going to exceed your expectations in this season as you get in position. Glory to less. Glory to God and say, nevertheless. Come on, somebody at your word. Last, come on, stay with me. I know we've been here for a while, but God is good. Listen, y'all can sit in front of the TV watching Olympics all day. I know y'all could be here. No, y'all, does anybody watch the Olympics anymore? It's pretty bad. Like, my wife was like, we need to let our kids watch the Olympics because, like, does anybody watch it anymore? Anybody watching the Olympics? Good, y'all are patriotic. Great, great, great. Oh, you ruined for Jamaica, though. Okay, we're going to get you. <laughs> we got Americans on the track field this year. One smoke weed, but she'll be all right. Number three, so God will perform miracles. God is, this is what happens when I get kind of nervous because I've been saying a lot of hard stuff, so I just got to laugh a little bit. Um, number three, number one, God will perform miracles. Number two, in this season, God is going to, after you, uh, you know, in that place of obedience, God is going to overwhelm you. And then I love this, and this is something that you say, well, this is a good thing that's going to happen. But, yes, a fresh repentance will take place. When God overwhelms you with his goodness, when you really see him for who he is, only thing that you can say is, God, I don't deserve this. I was out here tripping. I was out here doing my own thing, going my own way. But just the slightest place that I gave you of attention and giving it over to you, you've done so much more. How many know you can't outgive God? Amen. I mean, you give him your heart, he gives you a kingdom. You can't outgive God. <sighs> Fresh repentance. Somebody say, I need that in my life. Turning to God. Not to our favorite preachers, not to our favorite songs, not to our favorite, you know, gossip buddies, but to Jesus. Fresh repentance. Let's get the worship team to come back up. A fresh astonishment. Somebody say a fresh astonishment. A fresh awe. How many feel like maybe in this season you felt like your awe was not quite there? I believe that in this place, in this nevertheless season, after you're going after God, as you're turning your way over to him, there's going to be a new awe of God. You know, many times when you could tell when you're not at all because you're, you're looking at what everybody else has. That's when you know in your heart, like, man, that's not, I don't really have an awe of God because all I can see is what everybody else is having, what everybody else is doing, what everybody, and I don't have that. And, I really, and then there's an emptiness that begins to come as a result of looking at others versus God. 
But in this place of laying your will down, laying your way down, and worshiping God, you begin to see that all that you have is all that you need. Him. He is everything. He is everything. There was a lady, I can't go through the whole story, but she was in the Holocaust. She's a survivor of the Holocaust. And I'm probably going to butcher the story, but I just want to give you this one point. And people were like, how? How did you make it through? You know, because she made it through. She, said she was a survivor. And she said there was not a pit that Jesus wasn't deeper still. Y'all better hear me up in here. Father, I pray that there'll be a fresh repentance from looking through our eyes and not looking through yours. Pray you bring us to a new place of seeing you, how beautiful, how wonderful you are. You know, one thing I love about my children, especially my Caleb, <laughs> Caleb is like his name, wholehearted. Like, when I was coming home, I was like, I, can, I know how to deal with my daughters. They're going to come to me and say, I love you, Daddy. Give me a kiss, blah, blah, blah. But Caleb's going to be pressing on me. He's going to be standing in front of me, spinning around and around and around. He's going to be doing all type of stuff. And he's just going to, eventually, he's going to get under my skin. I'm going to be like, Caleb! <laughs> but one thing I love about Caleb is that even when I discipline him, he still loves me. And I, what I mean by that is when God works in us and deals with our hearts with different situations, we can get salty, we can sulk, we can be upset. But what God is saying is that no father disciplines someone that's not his. And so in this season of nevertheless, I believe that God is going to be disciplined each and every one of our hearts in our, his own unique way. And, and our response should be, God, thank you because you love me. I belong to you. I disciplined Caleb. I just got home two hours. That wasn't even two hours. He almost killed the dog. I was like, uh, Caleb. Don't kill a dog, Caleb. I didn't say it like that. I was like, boy, what are you doing? I said, you already broke the other dog's neck the first time. What are you doing? Listen. A lot of money. This dog called a lot of money. <laughs> this, is, this is an upgrade. Don't mess with my upgrade now. No. That's a whole nother message. Don't mess with my upgrade. Ah. <laughs> oh, my God. There's so much glory being released. You just got to catch it. <laughs> but after that moment, I was sitting down. He came up and he kissed me on my cheek because he knows that my discipline is not to hurt him. Amen. It's to protect him. So here's the last thing, and I'm going to get out your way. Why don't we all just stand up on our feet as I get this last point so I don't belabor it too much. God's going to perform miracles in this season. God's going to overwhelm you with his goodness. There's a fresh repentance that's going to take place in our lives. Repentance is simply, God, not my will, but your will be done. Not my way, but Yahweh. Amen. There's going to be overwhelming you with his goodness. It's going to be a fresh repentance, a fresh astonishment. And this is the one I love, I love a lot. There's going to be a fresh revelation that comes in the season. Somebody say fresh revelation. Come on, say, I'll take it. Fresh revelation. 
Amen. Because what happened? I love it. All these great things came. All the fish, they had partnerships. I mean, we could preach this all day for businesses on how God's going to bless you so much. You're going to have to reach out to other people. Y'all going to take each other's hand. Y'all going to move into the promised land. It's gonna, you're going to have an enterprise. You know how it go. But after that, you know, we see that there's a fresh repentance from Simon. There's a fresh astonishment from all those that are around. And then Jesus says this, don't be afraid. Because I'm going to give you a new revelation. I'm going to give you a fresh revelation. The revelation for them was, from now on, you will catch men. You will become fishers of man. When I think about this, I say, well, wow, that's, that's a lot to unpack, and I don't have enough time. But if I just think about that in my, in my own life, the oh, I, I got the answer. Jesus is the answer. Siri, Jesus is the answer. Okay. Y'all didn't hear Siri. She was saying, I don't have an answer. I said, right, Jesus is the answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> I bind up witchcraft. <laughs> well, when I think about my own life and the places where I was able to obe- be obedient, even the place of suffering, um, the places where I was able to just lay my life down, crucify the flesh, et cetera, it was in those places that now I'm able to bring healing and wholeness to the people that I come in contact with. He's used those very painful situations in my own life to now bring healing and wholeness to everywhere I go. We were, on a, we were in Florida on our vacation, and we were driving. And as we were driving, um, I, it, we, we pulled off the side of the road, and there looked like there was an old man on the side of the road dead. And so immediately, Spirit of the Lord came on me. I mean, like, it just, woof. And I pulled over. My wife was like, what are you doing? Like, were you going to call 911? I said, no, I'm going to go out there. And it's because I felt like the Lord spoke to me in that moment and said, do my work, do my will. Somebody say, launch out into the deep. Amen. And, and I have a revelation of the resurrection power of God. Somebody say amen to that. Because he resurrected me. Y'all ain't hearing me up in here. Amen. He didn't leave me on the side of the road. Come on. He met me in the place of my pain. So how dare I leave somebody on the side of the road when I know that there's a power that's working inside of me that's greater than the enemy. Y'all ain't hearing me. And so, I, I mean, I this, so this man, it turned out he was a 30-year-old uh, guy. I come out there, his grandma's on the phone, she's flustered, um, his brother's crying, his sister's mad at him, because what happened is that he jumped out of the car while they were driving, jumped out. He had a big, bloody gash on the back of his head, had gash all on the side of his arm, but in that place, I mean, I came out, and I didn't come up there like, okay, guys, my name is uh, Pastor Malik, How you? I was, I, you can ask my, I was, I, they probably thought I was African or something, I just went, I was like, I went up to that young man I didn't ask him no questions somebody say when you have the answer you don't have to ask questions and I looked at and let me tell you he was not moving his eyes were closed he, he was like they were like vibrating a little bit but he was in immobile and I looked at him and I said I rebuke the spirit of death and I command every demonic assignment against your life to be broken now and I want to tell you at that moment he opened up his eye y'all ain't heard me Somebody say, nevertheless. Come on, somebody. This boy opened up his eyes. They looked shocked to people around him. 
said, what's his name? Told me his name. I looked at him. I said, listen, I'm here. God brought me here to tell you why he's laying in his place of pain. It messed me up, y'all. Because it just reminded me how many times I was lying on the side of the road and people drove by me. My rap name used to be Good Samaritan, so maybe that was uh, what I was doing. <laughs> they called me GS. <laughs> Sorry, we're still in the spirit. <laughs> and so here I am. Now I'm prophesying over him. You're, and I'm not giving a whole bunch of it because, you know, he's still coming too. I said, you're going to live and not die and declare the word of the Lord. After I say that, now he sits up. Y'all ain't heard me. Deliverance, prophetic, the things that God did in my own life, the places of pain where he met me with the prophetic, where he met me with deliverance. Now he's meeting me with fresh revelation and said the very thing that I did for you. Now you go ahead and do it for him. I will make you a fisher of men. Glory to God. And so as I began to prophesy over him and I was using some therapeutic techniques, I was like, hey, I'm just here for you. I'm going to be by your side. I'm not going to say a whole lot anymore. I just want to let you know that Jesus loves you. And uh, until the police come, I'm going to stay here because I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. Is that okay with you? And he just was like, yes. He didn't say anything, but he just, tears in his eyes. God did the process. And then after we were walking towards the car, his brother's breaking down. His brother just destroyed his brother. He knew his, he knew his brother, something was wrong, but he didn't know it was this bad. Have you been around people and you just didn't know it was that bad until it blow up? So I got a chance to pray for his brother. I prophesied over him, gave him my email and said, you know, I'm here. They turned out there in Virginia Beach. So I was like, wow, that's a whole God thing. Well, can I tell you, I got an email yesterday. Glory to God. Amen. He's out of the hospital. Glory to God. He's back here in Virginia Beach. And we're going to go out down there. And we're going to really minister to him now. Amen, somebody. Because God is giving you a fresh revelation of who you are in the realm of the spirit. Amen. But you got to break through this season of toiling, this season of being weary, this season of watching your nets. Get back in the boat with Jesus. Amen. Go out a little way. Let him launch you out into the deep and watch as he brings you into a place of fresh revelation. Let's lift up our hands in this book. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Relentless DC Podcast. We'd love to connect with you more. Find us online, including Facebook and YouTube, at Relentless DC.